News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. The Pete Show. You can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. You can also call 704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110. And remember to get the podcast. It comes free right to your smartphone or tablet, and it comes three times a day. Each hour is its own podcast. You don't have to do anything else. And then you get helpful suggestions of other podcasts to listen to. It's fantastic. Go to WBT.com. All righty. So Fox News, in a piece by Emma Colton, she interviews Jason Riley, who is a uh, senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. And Riley makes the argument that despite rising crime rates in these cities that have pursued the progressive, quote-unquote, reforms, Democrats have little incentive to shift away from this white racism narrative until now. So his his premise is that there is a racial spoil system to the Victor go the spoils. That's where the term comes from, a spoil system. So uh, this was uh, used to describe systems of governing, uh, you know, like the, the old ward bosses and that sort of thing, that if you won, you get the spoils, and that means you get to divvy them out among all of your supporters. So there is a racial spoil system in place, he says, and you can make a very good living blaming all of black people's problems on white racism. It's very lucrative. It's even lucrative, by the way, for white people. See Robin D'Angelo. Okay. Even when Democrats and the media are presented with data that interferes with the narratives, they will choose the narrative over the data. Riley said this was um, this was on display. You'll recall when at the beginning of the George Floyd protest riot era. And uh, you'll recall the I think it was the Washington Post set up a database so they could track all the police shootings, which, by the way, I support doing that. I'm, I'm all for the data. I want to know versus not know. And so if someone's willing to do that project, absolutely. Now they have some problems with the way they count stuff, and I disagree with that. But information, data collection is a good thing. So they set up this database. But what we found is that there wasn't this this, uh, plague of white racist cops murdering black people. When you look at the, as I mentioned last hour, the disparate impact, it's not as cut and dry, dare I say, black and white. It is not as cut and dry. It's not as clear. It's complex. It's nuanced. What of the black officer who shoots a black person? What of a black officer who shoots a white person? What of interactions? If you have more interactions with somebody, if people are engaging in more violent crime as a demographic than another demographic, does that have an impact? Yes, all of these things have impact. It's a complex topic. So Riley says there is a disconnect between the activists and the elites who claim to speak on behalf of black communities and the black communities themselves, which often stretches well beyond crime and policing. It goes to issues like school choice, voter ID laws, and affirmative action even. But these are these are issues that Republicans can win on, and they don't even need to win a lot of black support in order to just annihilate the Democrats at the polls. Democrats can't. Here's what here's the key. Democrats cannot win elections if they're only getting 
65 to 70 percent of the black vote, Riley said. See, I, I don't just make up that stat when I said that that demographic is the black demographic as a voting block is very important. It is critical to Democrats winning. And it's increasingly becoming a, a Democrat party of black voters that have to turn out at like 90 plus percent. And these uber wealthy white liberals, white progressives, quote unquote, elites. But if they can't win 90 plus percent and they can't turn out the vote is another key part. You got to turn out the vote and then you got to get them all to vote 90 plus percent for your candidate. That's the strategy. And so that's what all of these lawsuits, that's what these things are about. It's a strategy designed. It's Sue Till Blue. It's, a, it's designed to make the core constituency of the Democratic Party terrified of the Democrats' opponents. That's it. The Republican Party, meanwhile, has dropped the ball by not trying to court black voters. This is one of the most infuriating things to me. I don't understand. No Republican ever comes in and asks for their vote, Riley says, noting that no Republican is seen advertising on black Twitter, for example. Black radio, black television. They don't go into the neighborhoods to visit establishments like barbershops. Why don't you go in, Why don't you go do the work? There's a guy, I'm, try, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. He's like, I don't know, 40 feet tall and as thin as a pencil. And he's got this really long brown straight hair. And he's been going around registering Republicans at all and teaching people how to do voter registration drives and doing that work in areas where messages about school choice and voter ID laws and even affirmative action, but also crime and defunding the police, that sort of stuff. Look, I am. This is it's so funny. That's what I mentioned at the uh, outset of the program that I'd I'd caught a live one, a troll. On Twitter, I think he actually just locked his account down. Um, no, maybe not. So yeah, so this you got to go where the people are. And I was going to get to this, but elections are about what media make them, and you got to go where the people are, and you got to talk to them about the topics and the issues that are important to them. And so beyond policing, there are all sorts of other issues that you can make inroads with voter uh, demog- uh, blocks about. And this is one of them. Crime, school choice, voter ID laws, and even affirmative action. I keep saying even affirmative, because a lot of people are not going to be comfortable having those kinds, uh, those types of conversations. And I understand that. Because a lot of people aren't, you know, we're not trained to do it, right? We're not used to doing it. It's not, a, most times people try to not talk about these types of issues. They're afraid to talk about them. And I don't know. I don't think I'm afraid to talk about it. I just, I try, I try to convey that I understand it's complex, but as a lowercase L libertarian, I get misread all the time on my views, just like this troll came at me earlier today thinking that, oh, you're not for equal rights. I'm not for equal rights. Why would you say such a thing? That's stupid. Because because I pointed out that the media is super focused on Madison Cawthorn and Mark Robinson. They got another piece out on them today. Super focused. Why? They want that to be what the election is about. Why? Because, oh, my God, they said something and you need to be terrified of them. They're coming for your democracy. Right? That's the fear mongering. That's 
the media, the corporate media carrying water for a particular party. It's true, though. That is the Dave Matthews thing. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Thank you for the folks uh, writing me on the Twitter machine. It's Scott Pressler is his name. Scott Pressler, the fellow that's going around doing the registering of voters and training other people how to register voters and such. Um, And you can, I think, request uh, him and bring him to town if you wanted to. He's... He's gone all over the country. Um, oh, here you go. Um, if you would like some tickets for the upcoming WBT 100th anniversary celebration, we are giving some away right now. If you're the 11th caller at 704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110, you call. And if you're the 11th caller, then you'll get the tickets. They're going fast. Um, but we have some, we saved some so we can give them away so we can bribe you. And, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's presented by the center for TMJ and sleep apnea. Um, you'll get an email with the details received when you get the tickets. Join us at WBT, the largest group of alumni ever gathered together for one WBT event. And, uh, we're going to honor a hundred years of WBT history. We're going to induct three new members into the WBT hall of fame. Um, I'm going to be up there with Jim Barrel, and we're going to be introing John Stokes. So uh, if you can, call in, win the tickets, or just you could buy them also. You can go to the website, WBT.com, for the tickets and the event details. It's on Saturday, April 9th at Halton Theater at CPCC. Uh, All righty, so this piece at Fox News I'm going to move uh, on from, but uh, Jason Riley with the Manhattan Institute, he's a senior fellow there, and uh, he says... This is a politically advantageous tactic that uh, Democrats utilize. Uh, there's a racial spoil system in place. You can make a pretty good living blaming all of black people's problems on white racism. It's very lucrative, uh, despite the fact that there is this disconnect between the activists and the elites of the Democratic Party uh, who claim to speak on behalf of black communities and the black communities themselves, which often like there's this disconnect stretches well beyond crime and policing, but to other issues as well. But on the issue of the crime and policing, I saw, oh, hang on. Uh, I just got the email from Gina Hicks. Yeah. Gina Hicks being endorsed. I just want to make sure there's no embargo. It's not embargo. She's being endorsed for Mecklenburg County Sheriff by former Mecklenburg County Sheriff Erwin Carmichael. She's got a uh, she's got a press release that is out here. Do, 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 do. Former Mecklenburg County Sheriff Erwin Carmichael will officially endorse. Her name is Augina Hicks, but she goes by Gina Hicks for Sheriff-elect of Mecklenburg County on Tuesday at Noble Smoke Restaurant on Freedom Drive. Uh, and uh, that's going to be going on oh, today at 6. So this is interesting because you've got the current sheriff who's battling critics from his left flank. And that's, remember the other day when uh, he went before the county commissioners and I played some audio and he was essentially blaming the the lefties, the Black Lives Matter people, the Antifa people, the, 
the members of the Moonbat Brigade, as I like to refer to them. These people are so far left, they're, they're just crazy. And that's who drives a lot of the fear inside the Democratic Party, that base that gets activated. I talk about Blue Anon instead of QAnon. The left has its own list of conspiracy theories as well. And this is, I think, this is the group that ratted out the sheriff and got the state to come down and do an inspection and then failed him on uh, not having enough uh, corrections officers, deputies, making the rounds and pressing buttons. And he wants us to believe that that's all that that's all that was going on. But there is this this is also in the context of a larger, you know, release them from jails movement, which, by the way, COVID was very helpful in advancing that position. We can't keep people locked up because they're going to get COVID and die. So we got to let them all loose. Here's a story uh, out of the Charlotte Observer by Michael Gordon the other day. The federal government is relocating dozens of inmates from the staff-depleted Mecklenburg County Jail, a move that could bring the facility's population closer in line with a state safety recommendation, but it's going to cost millions of dollars in federal reimbursements. So the Mecklenburg County, the sheriff's office, the jail, they get paid to house the federal inmates. And when you don't take the inmates, you don't get to take the money. As of Monday morning, this was last week, the jail held 282 federal detainees, about 22% of the overall adult inmate population. So a quarter, almost a quarter of the inmates are federal detainees. In the coming weeks, a portion of that contingent is expected to be moved to the Irwin County Detention Center in South Georgia, some 500 or sorry, some 335 miles from Charlotte. While the details remain highly fluid, one court official expects up to two thirds of the federal detainees to be relocated, costing the Mecklenburg County Sheriff's Office a significant portion of the millions it receives each month for housing them. In response to questions from the paper, the Sheriff's Office issued a statement acknowledging a, quote, number of federal detainees will be moved. It also said that it had, quote, anticipated the decline in the federal population and made the necessary fiscal adjustments. The statement did not provide any other details. The inmate transfer comes in part at the request of the Sheriff's Office, which is under a state mandate now to correct safety violations by the middle of next month. So they're running out of time. They've only got a couple weeks. The state, uh, the state inspector, Chris Wood, who came from Health and Human Services, strongly recommended that the inmate population be cut to under 1,000. At the time, it was more than 1,400. Meanwhile, members of the legal community learned about the upcoming relocation during a remote meeting with the federal court system, some already are critical of having clients moved two states away. Right? You're going to send all of these inmates to another state down to Georgia. How are they going to see their loved ones? See, there were, it's a complex problem. Nuance. There are all sorts of impacts. And you say, oh, okay, just empty the jails. Just get them out of Mecklenburg County Jail. There's too many inmates. We need to empty the jails. All right, well, we're going to move them out of the down to Georgia. 
Well, wait a minute. Now I can't visit my family. Well, yeah, that's the trade-off, I guess. Oh, my gosh. BuzzFeed people are going to go on strike. No, please don't. BuzzFeed's terrible. Today, because they unionized, and now they've got a, and apparently they've been in contract negotiations, and they voted overwhelmingly to go on strike. So we're not going to be able to read BuzzFeed. What are we going to do? I mean, except, like, no change at all. Anyway, on the police, defund the police and the reforms that progressives have been pushing Democrats to overreact with uh, in the wake of the George Floyd murder, here's where the path leads. Right up the road, my old stomping grounds there of Asheville. Story at the Asheville Citizen Times newspaper, which was used to be the Citizen, and then there was the Times, and then they merged, so then they became the Citizen Times, which is a weird name for a paper. But I digress. The piece is written by Sarah Honoski. 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 I think it's how she pronounces that. Anyway, this week marked the first on-site visit of the Arizona-based Epic Recruiting. Epic Recruiting. That's right. The Asheville City Council had to hire a recruitment firm to try and get more people to sign up. You know where this is going, right? Yeah. Yeah. To be cops. Imagine that. People don't want to be cops in Asheville. I wonder why. I can tell you why, actually. Anybody with half a brain cell can figure it out. Nobody wants to do a job where they are hated particularly people who get into a line of work because they want to help people. The very strong motivation for people that are in public service. I'm not talking about the politicians. I'm talking about law enforcement, firefighters, EMTs, people who go into that emergency public uh, uh, service sector. They are usually motivated by a desire to help people make the community better, Yes, there are people that get into it for the wrong reason, just like there is always the example of the arsonist who becomes a fireman, and there is always the uh, the bad apple cop tyrant who you know wants the badge so, so everybody will listen to him. Yes, there are those personalities. There are those types of people. A long time ago, I heard somebody smarter than me, which there are many, many who are, and so they they said... Democrats need to stop believing that all cops are terrible and Republicans need to stop believing that all cops are perfect, right? There, there are bad cops and we should out them and make sure they don't get to work in law enforcement if they get into too much trouble. And there are ways that you can actually do that. And Republicans would do well to figure out some of those ways and implement them to short of, so call it uh, policing integrity like election integrity, but for policing. So you can do stuff like that. Sure. But this idea that we got to get rid of police departments, that the Democrats were all in on until like recently, and now they're seeing the polling and they're yikes. But they can't really walk back away from that 
edge because they need it as a weapon. They need it to motivate their voters. So in Asheville, they were right on the uh, leading edge of this stupidity. And uh, they started exploring. And by the way, the Asheville city manager up there is Deborah Campbell. She got the job. She used to be an assistant city manager here in Charlotte. And so when she got up there, I thought, oh, this is going to be good because the city council was just captured by the Moonbat Brigade. And if you think the if you think progressives are kind of wild and crazy in Charlotte, my goodness, wait till you get a load of Asheville's progressive cult. Those folks, look, and you know me, I'm a giver and I'm all about solutions. And so I offered to the professional protesting class one of my most brilliant ideas ever that they did not take it, uh, take me up on. But in downtown Asheville, remember where they used to have the obelisk? It looks like the Washington Monument. That was the Vance Monument. Well, they tore that down because he was a racist. He was the former governor of North Carolina. And so we can't have the monument to him, even though. He did a lot of good stuff for Jewish people. Screw him. So they took down the uh, they took down the monument, and I suggested that they create instead of tearing it down, they just turn the monument into a large syringe. That was my suggestion. This way, it would save a bunch of money, right? It would just save a bunch of money. It almost kind of looks like a very large needle. You just need to put like a collar around the bottom of it, you know, something like that, or. Because this is the this was the spot where people would protest all the time, every every Saturday and Sunday. If you go to downtown Asheville, um, and it is downtown, not uptown. You go you go downtown. There's always at least I don't know four or five people. They got some signs, and they're right at that monument. Well, they were. They're not there anymore. There's no more monument there. So now they got more room to congregate. So they stand out there. And it's the tourist area, and they got all sorts of signs. And I started thinking, hey. What a waste of materials to, um, you know, to keep making all of these new signs. And for an environmentalist group, you would think they would not be all in on the making of the paper signs so much. So I suggested whiteboards, but you can't call them whiteboards. So we just call them writing boards. So just take a writing board with one of the dry erase markers and you just permanently set up one of those where the monument was and you just boom have this big board and then you could write all of your protest slogans all over it and there you go win win unless unless it rains true enough you could put a cover over it like a biodegradable cover over time not immediately but see look no bad ideas under the cone of creativity i'm just spitballing here got a lot of different ideas working on this but they didn't want it. I don't know why they didn't want it. But this is what they have to deal with. Is that that spot where they protest is right across the street from the police department. So when all of the protesting started two years ago, that's where they all went. And then they would pick fights with the cops. And then they would try to, they would literally get physical with the cops and pile on top of them in order to prevent cops from making arrests of people. So that's what the cops were dealing with. Somebody, and then they dumped a whole bunch of uh, manure in a coffin out in front of the police station. People don't really appreciate that. They can go to any one of the surrounding counties and get better pay and more respect. And so that's what they've done.
News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, and 1-800-WBT-1110. Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com as well, and get the podcast at wbt.com. Remember, so the Asheville Police Department, listen to this, they're down about 41% of available officers on a daily basis. That's nuts. Captain Brandon Moore, who's in charge of, uh, uh, he's the captain of the Special Operations Division, and that handles recruitment. He said, we are losing officers faster than we are hiring them. Up there, the department is, uh, I want to say their recruitment classes are small, and even smaller now. Like, two, three, five. Like, that's how many people are coming through now. Specific to recruitment, Moore says he never thought the department would need outside help. Uh, but recruitment was always, he said, it was always an internal effort. Uh, it used to be that there were far more candidates than there were openings. But now it is the inverse. That is the ramification of your policy preferences. That is the impact that your progressive narrative has led to up in Asheville. Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools dealing with crime and guns, as we hear on an almost regular basis, right? Charlotte-Mecklenburg now, they said, hey, you know what we're going to do is we're going to get all of them clear backpacks. And I've said before, I'm an all of the above solutions kind of guy on this stuff. So you want to have layers of security and sure, clear backpacks. Make it part of the solution. It, it is not the silver bullet, no pun intended. It's not the only solution, but it can help, right? Along with the, the body scanners and the metal detectors and see something, say something app and all of that. You, you have different strategies involved. Unless, of course, you buy all the backpacks from China and someone starts slapping. I'm, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't even know. Were they made in China? I assume they were made in China because I did the math. They paid $442,000 for 46,000 clear backpacks, and that works out to be under 10 bucks a bag, and I don't know how you get that if it's American-made. So I assumed it came from China. But the real problem here is California. I know. I could say that about anything, really. The real problem here is California. California had that stupid law, Prop 65, and that's why you get these ridiculous tags on everything right these tags that say be careful if you look at this item you could get cancer okay it doesn't say that but it's pretty close so apparently there's a product there's a chemical component of the clear backpack that californians are terrified of getting cancer from so they put a big fat warning label on it and that has prompted charlotte mecklenburg schools to say Whoa, 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 let's pump the brakes on these bags. We don't want to be giving the kids cancer. Do you really think that's what's going to happen here? What are these kids doing with these bags? What are they, putting them over their heads? Have you even considered that? That's a potential downside, right? Have we just armed all of the kids with these suffocation devices now? Because you could just as easily go down the hall and put the backpack over someone's head. And now, I shouldn't give people ideas. Why are we why are we governing to the dumbest people? Why is this 
It seems like like lowest common denominator kind of thing. If you are terrified of inhaling a fume from a clear backpack, then maybe we give you a an exemption. You know, like a mask exemption. Oh, maybe you should wear a mask. How about that? I'm sure the masks made in China, I'm sure they're perfectly fine. Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools is now halting the distribution of its clear backpacks due to a warning tag issue. In an email to parents, CMS officials said in unloading the clear backpacks for distribution at the two pilot schools, which I didn't even know that we were training pilots. Sorry. The officials discovered whilst unloading the backpacks, most of them contained a warning tag. (gasps) What does it say? It requires businesses, Prop 65, this law from California, requires businesses to provide warnings about significant exposures to chemicals that cause cancer, birth defects, or other reproductive harm. CMS was scheduled to pilot the clear backpacks at IMEC Academy today, but the district says they immediately paused the rollout of this safety measure when it was revealed that the majority of the inventory had the tag. I'm literally shaking right now. In an abundance of caution, CMS will not proceed with clear backpack distribution until this matter is resolved. What exactly is the resolution here you guys think is happening? Uh, you want to you game that out for me? What is the resolution here? Because the tags, first of all, you could do what I do and just pull the tag off. Seriously, I know they put the warning label on there. Don't take the tag off. That's just for the retailers. You can totally take the tag off. It's yours. You bought it. It's your property. You could take the tag off. Problem solved. You're welcome. It's what I do. I am all about solutions. Because other than that, I'm not exactly sure. Like, you're going to, what, send them back to the manufacturer and say, give us the non-cancer-causing bags? I don't know. Hopewell High School parents also shared a voicemail with WBTV saying that the body scanners did get installed at the school on Saturday. So there you go. News is next.